Hello, Herd, and welcome to our Thursday show. I am your Herd leader, John Wayne. And I'm your Herd best friend, Megan Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your name, but all right. Could be. Um, and so, welcome. Uh, today's show is our the beginning of our Clone Wars rewatch. Uh, this is a series uh, completely <clears throat> dedicated to just rewatching and talking about Clone Wars. Um, we'll be watching for you, watching for me. Yeah. Well, and that, I was getting there. <laughs> so, yeah. So, if you don't know already, uh, Megan has not seen the Clone Wars, uh, has not had much interest to. I'm a noob. <clears throat> um, but because of the returning season and because of my love for it and how much I just really wanted to talk about it, uh, she's been forced uh, uh. to participate. Uh, that I can honestly say was an unintended pun. Really? Yeah, I did not mean that. <laughs> um, well, the farce is with you. But yeah, so I, I really wanted to do this, um, and and a lot of inspiration and for it comes from you know Hello Greedo's been doing his Clone Wars series, and he's someone who not only has not seen Clone Wars, but doesn't have the best or didn't at one point have the best picture of the prequels. It's not necessarily that he was a prequel hater, but he certainly wasn't a fan of them. And mm -hmm. uh, the Clone Wars, I, I've seen how, and he's talked before about how um, it's kind of changed his outlook a little bit. And also just recent events have managed to change his outlook on the prequels. But the main thing is seeing every week him talk about this show that he clearly had no interest in, you know, a year or so ago, mm -hmm. uh, how much he's enjoying it and likes it and how much in it, uh, he sees, uh, as, you know, just good stuff. It, you know, it's really encouraging and nice. And I was like, huh, maybe, maybe, maybe Megan will come around to it as well. we'll uh, see. and, I and, mean, you know, I'm cool with it. <laughs> well, you haven't seen it yet. I've seen enough. <laughs> you, you've not seen it yet. I've seen a giraffe human hybrid in a dress. You've seen <laughs> the original Clone Wars. You yes. haven't begun to see the Clone Wars. I see through the lies of the Jedi is what I see. <laughs> anyway. That look of exasperation is what I live for. So, yeah. So, um, each week we're going to pick a few episodes of... The Clone Wars to watch and discuss and kind of review and just talk about and, you know, get the perspective of someone who already loves it and is watching it yet again. And the perspective of someone who's watching it for the first time and just kind of hopefully journeying, journeying with you into a love of the Clone Wars or just more Star Wars stuff in general. Yeah, I have some thoughts. We'll get to everyone that. has thoughts. <laughs> um, but so the interesting thing though is that we've decided to start with uh, the original Clone Wars um, so if you came into this episode uh, wanting to just dive right into uh, the Clone Wars the 2008 series uh, and film then you're going to have to wait a couple weeks because mm -hmm. uh, this series is very near and dear to me 
I grew up with this being the Clone Wars originally, and then uh, Dave Filoni uh, and George Lucas coming in with the other series. This was the Clone Wars. This was, uh, you know, just this was awesome to me as a kid. And it's a shame how many fans haven't seen it because it's just a few short cartoon uh, episodes or how many fans have seen it and immediately just written it off as yeah. eh, it's not as good as you know, Dave Filoni's or people that just haven't even heard of it at all. They're, you know, um, you know, our friend Michael, uh, when he heard about it, he, you know, was excited to dive in because he hadn't even heard of that. And he's just looking for more uh, Star Wars stuff to consume. And so it was just like, yeah. man, you know, I, I was I, my hope with this week and next week's episodes uh, that focus on the original Clone Wars is just to kind of hopefully help some people come around to it or come to it for the first time and, you know, just have fun. It's Clone Wars as well, and mm -hmm. I just wanted to include it. Yeah. I mean, I realized while we were watching it that I think at one point, while waiting for another cartoon to come on, <laughs> that I may have watched an episode. Because it has that very... it ha It's very stylized in a very particular way. Yes. We'll get to that. Yeah. So, uh, but that's what we're getting into today. So th this is all about the OG Clone Wars, the original 2003 micro series. Um, and this episode in particular, we're looking at chapters 6, 7, 1, 2, 3, 4, 8, 9, 10, 11, 17, 18, and 19. And if you're wondering, no, I'm not an idiot. I know those numbers are out of order and some are missing. Uh, it's just in Clone Wars fashion, because Dave Filoni didn't start it. It's not exactly all in chronological order. Um, and some things are moved around just for the sake of storytelling and all that other stuff. But know that uh, we're going to be talking about the first uh, 13 episodes of a ch of uh, season one. There's a few episodes of season one that we're going to save for next week. And we'll also be getting into season two next week. And then that's it. It's not very long. It's just two weeks of the original Clone Wars. Hopefully it's enough to convince you to go out and watch it if you haven't. Uh, hopefully it's enough to give you some enjoyment if you've already seen it and already love it like I do. Um, but if it's not your thing, hopefully you'll come back in two weeks and, uh, you know, gush over Dave Filoni's 2008 uh, series with us when that starts. Yeah. But in the meantime, this is uh, this is what we've got for you today. So, yeah, I'm excited. Cool beans. So before we talk about the show itself and the episodes that we watched um i thought it would be cool to kind of talk about the behind the scenes stuff and talk about uh what went into the series what is exactly this series um because i think a lot the more we understand about the series the more we see some of its influence and some of uh it's really if if we hadn't gotten this you know it's kind of questionable what some things might have looked like in, for the next Clone Wars series that followed it. So, um, but again, this series was released in 2003 and it's a micro series, which means, and you mentioned, you know, you re remember possibly seeing it between shows. Yeah. Um, that's originally what it was created for. That's what it was marketed for. And um, so what they did was they created a season, uh, although it wasn't initially really called that, but they created a group of episodes, 20 episodes total that were all five minute episodes and they were meant to air in different time slots of other shows. <clears throat> so instead of having a full star Wars show, instead of over committing into it, they started with these little tidbits 
uh, of a show. And so, and then you can kind of weave those all together and get this one big story. I mean, when you put all of season one and two together, it's really about two hours. So it's almost its own movie. Yeah. Um, arguably a better movie than the 2008 Clone Wars. Um, but we'll get there. We'll talk about that. Don't at us. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, so if you go and watch it, which you can find it uh, in several ways on YouTube, you can find where you just watch it all consecutive. Um, you can do like we did and do episode by episode since we're doing it in a slightly more chronological way. Uh, but either way, you can find it out there fairly easily if you Google it. Um, but it, it was a series that was set up following closely behind the events of episode two. And the series follows several adventures of the Jedi as they seek to win peace for the Republic, leading all the way up to episode three. Uh, the series had two seasons. Chapters one through 20 were collected as season one and were around five to seven minutes long, set within the first year of the Clone War. And then chapters 21 and 20 to 25 were collected as season two and were around 12 to 15 minutes long uh, and take place directly before episode three so initially it sounds like okay 25 chapters it must have been very long but again each chapter initially was only a few minutes long and when you put them all together they actually really the first season just tells the story of one major battle uh and ends on a cliffhanger of another battle mm -hmm. and if you can hear a cat uh that's our cat that's <laughs> piglet who really just wants to be on the show Piglet has joined the game. Hi, <clears throat> baby. So she doesn't have very many opinions on Clone Wars, uh, though, so don't bother asking. I think Doc should vote. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that's that's what the series is. And like I said, we're talking a lot about uh, season one, although we're skipping episodes uh, five and we're skipping episodes, let's see, we're skipping episodes 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, I believe. We're skipping some, uh, we're skipping some episodes. But why? Again, um, so the episodes that we're talking about, to recap, 6, 7, 1, 2, 3, 4, 8, 9, 10, 11, 17, 18, 19, all tell pretty much the same, that one story. Um, it tells a couple arcs that all just make one big battle and story and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, the others, there's some intermittent episodes that tell their own stories that aren't pertinent to this. So I thought for the sake of not confusing you, we would remove those and just tell this one big story. And then next week we'll talk about the smaller stories and we'll also get into the big, biggest part, the peak uh, of the finale of season one and uh, beginning of season two, which is arguably one, two of the best episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just talk about the rest of season two. Gotcha. Um, for this again, when they, when they started, they were kind of just trying to tell s short, small, simple stories. And, and so until season two, they really didn't get big with it. In season two, they tell, um, two intersecting stories at the same time. It feels much more like your typical clone wars or, cartoon episode where it feels like a fuller story it's not just well you know as they label it it's not just chapters it's not just little yeah. munches it's it's a little bit fuller um and so the rearrangement and the uh lack of certain episodes is to tell this grouping of this this is all one story 
Um, and so, but anyway, so enough about that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the behind the scenes? Cause you love animation. You love, I, I mean, you know, several of the people involved with this for other reasons and love them for other reasons, mm-hmm. uh, which is another reason why I wanted to show you this because it, it, it's those connective tissues between things you already love and things Absolutely. I hope you love. So why don't you talk at us about it? Well, thank you, John. Um, well, the series, as most of us know, was created and directed by um, a really heavy hitter in the Cartoon Network area. I don't know. Uh, Gendy Tartakovsky. And if you're old like us, uh, you might have seen a lot of his work before. Um, he definitely has a very particular style. Um mm-hmm. When we mentioned some of the shows he's into, because it was it was like this for me. When I found out some of the other shows he did, it was just like, yeah, oh, I oh, get it. He like I see that particular sequences in watching uh, those first few episodes of Clone Wars. Well, and and it was his work on a particular show yeah. that was, I think, the big reason he was picked for this. Oh, absolutely. Um, so uh, yeah, like, let me talk. Okay, sorry. Dang it. <laughs> Um, I get excited. I know. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. Here. Uh, most of what he's known for is the series, ow, Dexter's Lab, which was one of my favorites growing up. I absolutely love Dexter's Lab. Um, and most notably, Samurai Jack. That, that was the one I was that was talking about a second ago. That was, that was the one I think influenced him being a part of Clone Wars. You don't say. Yeah, and there's there's a couple sequences in those first few episodes. Like I've made notes here and there, um, where it's very Samurai Jack. Well, and I, whenever I watch the uh, Anakin and Ventress sequence on Yavin, mm-hmm. spoiler alert. Uh, no, not really. Um, when I watch that, I think of the episode where uh, it, it's almost the same in the sense of, you know, fighting in the trees where it's, it's Jack versus like the shadow samurai who he can't quite see. Yeah. Uh, or it, it was just a very similar flow of sword play where it was, oh, yeah. you know, tree to tree y- using the environment fully. Yeah. And there's a lot of things like that in a lot of uh, Tartakovsky's work. I mean, there's some serious, like um, old samurai film, influences there like Mm -hmm. super by the way if you have never watched an old samurai movie do yourself a favor watch them (laughs) yeah some of the best reviewed ones are actually some of the inspiration for george lucas when writing for the jedi and Mm -hmm. their mythology and everything like that so and we'll we've got a a planned show where we kind of just talk a lot about that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. uh down the road uh, but if you want to do your research ahead of time, you can look that stuff up. Yeah. Um, some other shows he's known for is co-creating Symbionic Titan. I never really watched that I one. Didn't, I didn't either. I didn't find that out <laughs> until researching for this. Yeah. Um, he directed, oh, some of my favorite animated movies. Uh, the Hotel Transylvania movies, which uh, John hates and I love. And we had to watch two of them on vacation with your niece a few you, weeks ago. You loved it. I, I I loved that she loved it. He taught my nephew to say blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. That's the only thing I like from those <laughs> movies. I was not say blah, blah, blah. So. Yeah. But um, he also was 
a big member of the crew of the Powerpuff Girls. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. I love that growing up too. You remember the episode where the magician comes back to life as a zombie? I didn't really watch Powerpuff Girls. I'm so. going to show you that. <laughs> it's great. Um, he's also worked on other series such as Tiny Toon Adventures, Tiny Toon Adventures, I'm going to enunciate, and Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. He was he was a big, and, and, and I almost wonder if this is where some of his style comes from, but he, he was a big uh, storyboard artist for a lot of yeah. Cartoon Network stuff. And so that that ability to tell stories in short but uh you know very visual experiences yeah you know something that you can just put on paper for someone to catch and be like i like this like i think that influence i mean because samurai jackie is very similar to clone wars in the sense that it's very quick not a lot of dialogue but very emphasized on the music and the movements Mm -hmm. and the animation and choreography yeah and if you look a lot of his art style is very easy to pick out. And it's mm-hmm. some of the most popular shows of Cartoon Network history. Yeah. Like Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Lab, Samurai Jack. I mean... But it's all, again, like you said, it's very stylized. It's very... Yeah. It's very... It's very Jack... It's very Gindy. Like, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, there's certain things, like, you can see and you wonder if that's him or if someone that, you know, grew up influenced by him. But yeah, which he has a style. He absolutely has a style. And so many artists have said, you know, these are the shows that made me want to be an animator. You know, these are the shows that have influenced my art style as I've grown up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Cool dude. Very cool dude. Very talented dude. Pretty much made Stop making uh, Hotel Transylvania movies, though. Don't stop, Gendy. Hashtag stop, Gendy. No, don't stop. (laughs) Adam Sandler does not need more work. Okay. Mm-hmm. He, he might have a different opinion. Okay, so let's talk about the cast a little bit. How okay. do you feel about that? I know you love voice acting. I do. Uh, I love... I, I get very giddy and excited about connective tissues between series, and especially yeah. with uh, during this uh, era of voice work, um, a lot of voices that you hear um, are some of the same people, and you just sometimes don't even realize it. Uh, what's really interesting about this is how many voices would go from this to follow into uh, Clone Wars. The, this, the, the cast for this isn't very extensive. There's not a lot of dialogue, and mm-hmm. there's not a lot of characters. It's very focused in, and it's very um, it's very dependent upon, again, the music and the choreography of the different episodes. So, But the cast that it does have is talented and great at what mm-hmm. they do, and so... Number five is in this show, guys. <laughs> um, and again, that's where you'll come in is because you know them for a lot of other things <laughs> as well. So um, I watched too many cartoons. <laughs> I didn't watch enough. I, wa- I was too busy watching Star Wars yeah, you over and over Wars. and over and over. Because believe it or not, we only at one point had three episodes. Yeah. Um, and if you'll believe it, we only had two channels <laughs> right. when I was a kid because we didn't want to show up for other ones. Yep. That was a thing. Yeah, I grew up watching. The struggle was real. Nickelodeon, um, Cartoon Network, and sometimes Disney. If that's so, even was. Do on. you remember? Was it what was it called? Do you remember a show or a channel? I think it was called Jet X or something like that. It was like something X. It wasn't um, Disney XD, but it was something X, and that was what all like the cool. Sh- like I remember that's what the Transformers. Uh, Armada series was on. That's what um, Digimon was on. Like that was the original um, 
like Disney XD. Like the yeah. the XD now has those like cool shows where it was oh no it was the pre it was or it may have been when Toonami was around I can't remember yeah but it was it was like the Nick Toonami yeah I know exactly what you're talking about I don't remember I don't remember what it was called I but remember like Nick Toons that that's what was that that was what Chalk Zone was on oh yeah I love I remember Chalk, Chalk Zone. Zone. It that was, was a good what, show. Um, Angela Anaconda was on. Didn't like that show. It was what Kablam was on. Don't know that show. Really? Yeah. I'm showing you clips. I watched a lot of Angry Beavers, though. Angry Beavers. That and uh, Real Monsters. Ah! <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> this this has quickly devolved into gushing about uh, classic TV. So it'll never so, be this good again, guys. It will never be this good again. <laughs> like legit no that that's the attitude of the people that are the problem the yeah. you know, star wars will never be as good as the original truth no we don't mean it when we say these things guys no. we're just saying we're just reminiscing like, that our I, I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day i was like because uh we were at the nursing home visiting um people and the uh tv was on in one room and it was cartoons and i was saying to someone else that was i was visiting with i was like I don't get kids shows nowadays. Like I just, I don't get it. I don't get what's exciting. Like what, you know, I, it seems like I grew up with a particular taste as a kid. And then that's just, it's changed so much that I I don't know. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm still watching cartoons. (laughs) I love like, I'll say cartoons today are very different. Yeah. And and, and that's, that's what I'm getting at is it's not that ours are better. It's just that they're different. I mean, I love Steven Universe. I love Adventure Time. Not a fan. I love We Bear Bears. Never heard of it. Okay, so I'm going to tape you to a chair. You're going to do what I did to you for Clone Wars. Exactly. (laughs) Stay tuned uh, for my podcast, the We Bear Bears Rewatch. All right. Well, (laughs) so uh, in the meantime, let's actually get to the show. But like, would you guys listen to that? (laughs) Me talking about cartoons. Who knows? I would. Let us know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to talk about this, the yes. Clone Wars, because that's what this show's about. Arguably, let's start off with the most important character, mm-hmm. uh, Anakin Skywalker. Yep. Uh, was played by Matt Lucas. Mm-hmm. He spelled both of his names wrong. Um, <laughs> he was in the Star Wars Episode Three video game, uh, Battlefront Two, and the Clone Wars video game as well as playing all, all, Anakin Skywalker. Yes, all as Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Um, he's been highly appraised for his comparability to Hayden Christensen, uh, yeah. which I feel like is a little put on. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's just a little bit too nasally whiny. But yes, that you, was one of my notes. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's like mm, that's the voice you want to go. Uh, but. At, at the end of the day, it doesn't take away from Matt Lucas's performance. It's a, it's a lot like, you know, it's one of those characters you're just kind of like, it's, eh, it's not really working for me, but like what you're, what you're told, what you've been told to create, you're creating well. Mm-hmm. It's just that I don't feel like that is very, like, I think Matt uh, Latner, Leitner, I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but. That's Nar. He goes on to play Anakin in uh, the 2008 series, and I feel like he's a little bit more balanced in his tone um, and, that, and whatnot. That came out in 2008. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's what that was the big deal of San Diego Comic Con was. It was the 10th anniversary of Clone Wars, which I cannot 
believe. <laughs> do you feel old? I do all the time. So, but anyway, uh, yeah. but yeah, Matt Lucas still, uh, he still did, he still did good work for it, especially when we get into season two. But uh-huh. for the first season, I feel like it was just a little meh. Yeah. Well, John, who in the world can you tell me? You look like a child right now. I'm so like... excited. I love this dude. <laughs> Who played Obi-Wan Kenobi, John? James Arnold Taylor. One of yeah. my personal voice acting heroes. I love this dude. Mm-hmm. Um, Why? He, he was Ratchet from the Ratchet and Clank series. A you? series that is big, near and dear to my heart. He plays uh, Johnny from Johnny Test. And good lord, so much more. He's uh, Fred Flintstone. Uh, now, since the original voice actor passed away, he's great at so many other doubles. He's been in so many different things from Bionicles to just all kinds of stuff. And went on to, again, do voice work as Obi-Wan Kenobi in the 2008 mm-hmm. series. And so, Yeah, he's yeah. one of those voice actors. Like, have you ever seen a cartoon? Yeah, he's James in James Arnold Taylor was in that. Yep. Um, but he is just, I mean, he, all of the characters he's gone on to voice and give life to have always been very special to me but not only that but the guy himself he's just such a positive influence and such a you know great spirit and he's always looking out to uh add positivity to other people um and it's actually his book jet 365 that inspired our monday motivations is because you know he uses um his experiences and his uh influence to influence positivity and you know uh, I really took that to heart and wanted to do the same thing. So mm-hmm. in general, uh, just a great guy. If you're not following on, on social media, if you're not following him on YouTube, he actually has a great show where he talks about Clone Wars stuff with other voice actors from the Clone Wars, um, which is just fun in general. He talks to Phil Lamar. He talks to uh, Sam Witwer, another awesome dude and hero of mine. And so and mine. great shows. Dude's got um, cheekbones for days. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so James Arnold Taylor, awesome yeah. dude. Couldn't tell. <laughs> um, as the delightful pint-sized hero Yoda, we have Tom Kane, who worked on Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, another one of my favorites. It was a good show, yeah. It was a very good show. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much every Star Wars video game we've ever played. Yeah, he's uh, he's just got a great and malleable voice for different background work. Um, he did Yoda here in the following series. He would go on to do Yoda again. He would do, uh, uh, Admiral, um, oh man, how has it escaped me? Admiral Yalaren. Um, I see you how it escaped And, <laughs> uh, he would also be the narrator for, um, each episode and everything like that. Huh. Uh, he played, uh, the Jedi that was responsible for training other Jedi in the temple in the Star Wars Episode Three game. That's the actually that's actually the first one time I remember knowing his voice. <laughs> so, which is very much his Admiral Yularen voice, um, if you listen to it. Better not. Um, as Mace Windu, we have and and Sai Sai Sasi Sasi. Sassy Tim. Sassy Tim. Sassy Tim. Okay. Uh, we have Terrence T.C. Carson, who is, in your notes, freaking Kratos. <laughs> That's exactly how I took it out. Need you no more. 
need you no more. He's been in a lot of stuff. <laughs> he has so much stuff. Look at his wiki, but the only thing that his matters wiki? is Kratos. Hold on. His wiki. His wiki? <laughs> oh, shut up. Do we need to contact his it, That's how you say wiki it. Board? It's his wiki. It's a wiki. <laughs> it's his Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, Twitter? Kratos can say wiki however he wants, okay? I say it how Kratos it's, says it's it. It's like gif jif. No, it's like, like wiki wiki. <laughs> <laughs> help. Twitter help. Um, anyway, Kratos aside, um, as clones, all of them, we have Andre Sog... Sogliuso. Okay, you say that. What's his name? Andre Soglioso. There you go. That's him. Um, Jackie Chan Adventures, which mm-hmm. is another fantastic show. Jeez Louise, guys. It's just like a blast from the past. Uh, TF Rid. Transformers Robots in Disguise. You should have done that one. <laughs> it was so much simpler to put it that way, though. <laughs> okay. American Dad, Invader Zim, another fantastic one. And more. Yes, it's safe to say we're not going to be able to cover all of these guys. Uh, IMDb. <laughs> Uh, just kind of pulling out the highlights. Yeah, if you worked once in Hollywood as a voice actor, safe to say your wiki is extensive. But your wiki's probably bigger. Okay, Count Dooku. <laughs> Count Dooku and Senhill is Corey Burton. Um, he was in God of War as Zeus. Mm-hmm. What else was he doing? <laughs> uh, well, fun fact, his God of War Zeus voice is basically just his Count Dooku voice. Um, I actually, he, he's, he's the legit voice double for, um, uh, Christopher, um, Christopher Lee, yes. Christopher Lee. Uh, names are escaping me right Count now. Count Dracula, okay? yes. Um, so, uh, in several works, yes. he's, uh, played the voice of, uh, Christopher Lee. Um, but he was also Shockwave from G1 Transformers. He played Megatron in, uh, the Transformers am- animated series. Animated? And... Tons more. Fun fact, if you can believe it, and we're going to kind of talk about voice actors again when we get into the other series, but uh, not only did he play Count Dooku in this and the next series, he also played Zero the Hut, which the people on the other side of the microphone are like, ah, and Megan just doesn't know yet. Um. (laughs) It's so good. Oh, and uh, Cad Bane. Oh, I know that one. There you go. There you go. He's actually okay. cool. So, um, as Assange Ventress. Assage. Assage. I keep wanting to add an N in there. Assange. Julian Assange Ventress. Uh, as Shakti, Padme Amidala is Grey Delisle. Who, surprisingly, I did not recognize at first when I heard her voice. Well, you uh, you haven't seen any episodes with her as Padme, or you ha- and you haven't seen Shakti yet. You've mm-hmm. only heard Asajj, and she very much covers up her voice, her yeah. her recognizable voice. Yeah. At first, I thought it was um, Cree Summers was the voice actress, mm-hmm. which is it the same person for OG Clone Wars and 2008 Clone Wars? No, we'll get into that. Okay. Oh, that was ominous. No. Um. But you have most definitely heard Grey Delisle's voice before. Uh, she was in Fairly Odd Parents, Samurai Jack, another one of my favorites, uh, The Groom Adventures of Billy and Mandy. 
as Mandy. As Fun Mandy. fact. Um, she uh, was alongside Phil Lamar, who's famous for several things. Uh, but most notably, as it relates to Star Wars, he uh, goes on to be K- Kit Fisto in the next Clone Wars series. Fancy. So uh, Asajj Ventress and uh, hmm. Kit Fisto were hanging out in Billy and Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites. Shallon uh, Shallon Showdown, Jeez Louise, uh, Avatar. I'm not sure if that's the last Airbender. Yes. Yes. Last. Yeah, Airbender. she played Zuko's sister, the one that could shoot the lightning. Azuka, Az, Azu, uh, Azula, Azuli. Lapis Lazuli. Yes. Zuzu. Zuzu, go get your brother. <laughs> Fun fact. He's in the. He's in the pond searching for his own. Also in Avatar The Last Airbender is probably the greatest Star Wars alum. Mark Hamill, yes. Mark Hamill, yes. He plays Zuko Daddy. I get giddy about these things. I know you General do. Ozai. Let me finish. Or leader. Let me finish. Ten, or whatever. Okay. Ben 10. We're still talking about uh, Grey Delisle, Delisle, yes. yes. Danny Phantom. <laughs> Freaking Danny Phantom. She was the, the goth girlfriend. Yeah. Um... RC in Transformers. Revenge of the Fallen. Revenge of the Fallen. You gotta get these acronyms. And much more. You need to stop typing acronyms. <laughs> you nerd. It's shorthand. Um, I have long So hands. much stuff. I got so excited about all the different things she's done. I just, she's I, done I included so much. Quite a lot. Yeah. It's been great. Okay. So next up, we have Pable Time, Palpatine, Papa Palpatine, uh, Darth Sidious, same person. <gasps> Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. Uh Nick Jameson. Uh he's he was in oh my gosh. 24 Lost, King of Queens, Spider-Man the Animated Series. See Spider-Man Animated Series. And much more. Mhm. He's actually one of the older uh voice actors on this list. I was surprised to find. Yes. He is not 24 no longer. No, probably twice double. Twice double. Twice double. Wow, that's how old he is. To the power of eight. Right. Um, Kit Fisto and General Grievous in season two uh, is yes. Richard McGonagall. McGonagall. <laughs> Wait, what? Isn't that how you say it? McGonagall. McGonagall. Like, like the professor. And John, John. Guess what? Mm-hmm. He was in Star Trek. The Next Generation. He was yes. in Star Trek <laughs> yeah. The Next Generation. He, yes, he was. He I was in X-Files, too. Yeah, he was in X-Files. And Ben 10. And in Ben 10. I never watched that. And a lot of other stuff. Ben so, 10, really? No. Oh, my gosh. Such a good series. Like I watched random episodes while I was wait, waiting for Billy and Mandy to come on. Yeah, Ben 10 was a good series. Really great premise. And really just, it's, it's kind of like, um, yeah. uh, it's kind of like, uh, the starting of TMNT in a way of mm-hmm. it, you know, started by this very, you know, up and coming uh, company. Yeah. And uh, just really took off. Art style was great. Yes, very much so. And it, and really a lot of people won't agree, but I thought that um, as it evolved, it just continued to get better. Especially I, I was a fan of the, the latest series, which was a little bit more kitty and simplified, but mm-hmm. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. Here's something that you gotta learn about me is I love 2D animation. Just in general. That's kind of why I haven't watched Clone Wars is because, you know, 
I prefer the 2D. Yeah. And it's it's a very particular style, but yeah. you know, eventually you get it it's one of those things uh, eventually when you get a passion for it, you kind of yeah. cuz even me, I'm not a fan of some of the animation choices in the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. but it being such a great show, I kind of yeah, accept it, see past it. Yeah. See it as an interpretation of an appearance rather than the appearance. Yeah. I mean, even watching Jimmy Neutron was hard for me. Ugh. What is wrong with you? <laughs> What's wrong with me is that it's taken us 30 minutes to get through a cast list. Ugh, shut up. We're I'm having fun. You, we are We're having, having fun. fun, aren't we? Okay. General Grievous in season one is one of my absolute favorite For all of one act. episode, unfortunately. One episode. I, wish he'd, I wish he'd been able to continue. Is John DiMaggio. Mm-hmm. I love John DiMaggio. Mm-hmm. He's been in so much. He does an excellent um, Diamond Dave impersonation. Um, he's been in Futurama, Adventure Time. Uh, what else? He's been in so much. Mm-hmm. He's another one. What was if the thing? Seen... He was Dr. Dracken. There, yeah, there you go. That was the thing the other day we were watching, and I was like, wait, is that John DiMaggio? <laughs> really? All right. There yeah. you go. Look at him. Yeah. Look at him. Mm-hmm. He do so much. I think Gray Delisle might have been the green lady, right? Yeah, she was she go. No, yeah. wait. It was either her or Chris Summers. <laughs> I can't remember. For Pete's but sake, it sounds so similar. Back in the day, there used to in voice acting, there used to be only like four women that did everything. It's yeah. like it's like everything that's on BBC. It There's was, only four people that really work there. Yeah, it was Nancy Cartwright. <laughs> it was Chris Summers. It was Who's the Timmy Turner girl? Who was the Timmy Turn? Uh, da ba 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 da. Yeah, she was also Bubbles. Mm-hmm. She's Kinda got a very particular voice. I can't, but I can't remember. Her name was. It starts with a T. I don't remember. I don't remember. Anyway, and there was also like three male voice actors for every. Rob Paulson. Rob Paulson. Jim Cummings. Frank Welker. Frank Welker. The, look, guys, voice actors that are obviously <laughs> listening to our podcast. Of course. Stop being so good at stuff. Please. You're taking all the jobs. Like. They D- took a job. D. Bradley Baker, dude. Come on. <laughs> Calm down, sir. Jeez. I mean, you've got, you, you get tired of doing people. So you start doing the animals. I mean, li- literally, look at his credits for uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. He He's Momo. all of the animals. He was Appa. He was Appa. He was just all of them. Yeah. Frank do- Welker uh, plays animals in major Hollywood. Uh, sh- like he's taking the jobs away from the animals. Yeah. <laughs> like in, in the gray. Guess who's credited as the wolf? Frank Welker. You would have thought it was a wolf, but no, it was a fifty-year-old fat man. Hey. I'm sorry, Frank. I love you. Calm down. But seriously. Maurice Lamar. Can, yeah, can you imagine that, though? It's just like, oh, uh, I thought it was voice acting. No, we need you to do the mocap, too, Frank. <laughs> just all, down all on fours. Just... That's my Frank Welker impersonation. And not only that, but he, he does uh, all of his voice work. He does the same lines for, I believe, the... Uh, Spanish and German uh, translations as well because he speaks it. So it's just like not only is he taking all the American jobs, but he's getting international. How does he do the wolf in Spanish and German? (laughs) (laughs) Not that one, but like Megatron and and stuff like that. 
Autobahn. Because Frank Welker was the original Megatron. Rob Paulson was in the original Transformers movie. Yes, he was. I know things. I know stuff. Okay, so. We've got one more. You're going to have to <laughs> say this one because I can't pronounce the middle one. Oh, uh, well, so as Dirge, um, uh, just awesome bounty hunter dude, uh, Kiati Mundi, and even Peel. Even Peel. Even Peel. Is one dead. of three <laughs> short people in uh, the Jedi Order. Uh, is Darren Norris. Another who, recognizable dude. Who you have undoubtedly seen before if you grew up watching um, Nickelodeon like I did. Um, he was in, he was Gordy in Ned's Declassified, the, the janitor. janitor. Yes. Um, he is the voice of Cosmo from Fairly Odd Parents and Jorgen von Strangle. Jorgen von Strangle. Jorgen. All right, play. I'm German. <laughs> and Mr. Turner. You're ginger. In the Fairly Odd Parents. I'm going to pinch you. And Knockout in Transformers Prime. See, I didn't and make more. that one an acronym. No, you didn't. I'm proud of you. There you go. It would be three letters <laughs> TFP. I'm just going to keep doing that just to see how long it takes you to get stuff. And you're not going to help me. So that is the cast, our voice cast. Yes, this uh, this has been longer than I thought it would yeah, be. Yeah, <laughs> so cast. this is going to be a bit long of an episode, but luckily this is why we create sections that you can jump around to. Um, this has been uh, far more about just animation and voice acting in general, um, but it's all about great dudes and their great work and their great contribu- con- contribution. Uh, to a lot of great shows. So yeah. um, hopefully, thanks for our childhood. Yeah. So hopefully, some of you guys will go back now and listen out for some of these guys, and maybe we blew your mind uh, to find out, you know, the who's who in voice acting. But um, yeah. So, but now we'll get to the actual show. All right. So now we'll be diving into the actual episodes uh, that we watched uh, and kind of just talking about what's going on, what set these up, uh, some details of legends, some details of characters, and just kind of getting your input and uh, feelings and ideas about it, uh, what you thought, what you think, um, and such. And so the main storyline where we pick it up, we're picking it up uh, beginning in chapter six and seven rather than starting with episode one. You can start there, um, but for the sake of telling this story, it's a little bit easier if you do six, seven, then one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what we're doing here. So, uh, But the storyline of volume one is about Obi-Wan being tasked to lead an assault on Munalist, um, where the banking clan is kind of ground in and set up the republic is sending them to do that uh in hopes that they'll basically cut off the financial supply to the rest of the cis and separatists and so um obi-wan is taking the land battle and anakin under the push and force of um palpatine and his wonderful input uh anakin is assigned with obi-wan uh to take on the space battle and and so uh Really, the the Battle of Munalist is largely the story of season one. Well, he is a pilot, you know. He is. So, uh, and he's a darn good one, apparently, according to Obi-Wan. Um, and so, uh, 
yeah, the, the, the Battle of Munalist is pretty much the story of uh, season one. Uh, like I said before, there's some episodes in there that add in other little stories, but the main thing um, is all taking place uh, within this uh, battle. Um, and so uh, we focus in on Anakin, we focus in on Obi-Wan, we focus in on uh, the unique uh, unit of clone troopers called Arc Troopers, which are some of my favorite. Um and also following the story and introduction of Asajj Ventress, which leads us into chapter six, which is uh, where we're beginning. Chapter six and seven tell the story of where uh, Dooku finds Ventress, which is really nice mm-hmm. because you'll kind of see as we get into the Clone Wars, into the 2008 series, we just really jump in. Ventress is just there. She's already a part of this mm-hmm. um, uh, system and of this uh, group. And there's really nothing that we know. We ha- that we know there's a history because already in the uh, interactions with Obi Wan and Anakin in uh, the first few episodes, they allude to this not being their first meeting. So, and again, this is part of this goes into a little bit of why I wanted to show this is because a lot of this is still in my head canon. Mm-hmm. A lot of this, if you allow it to, still works. Uh, still fits in. So for me, in my headcanon, this is how we meet Ventress, and Ventress goes on into the 2008 series from here. <laughs> well, so, it's not every day you see a human giraffe hybrid. It was an artistic style, okay? <laughs> she had a long neck for the show. It, she's not meant to actually have a long neck. It's not most supposed to be literal, okay? She's literally wearing parallel stripes so that her neck does not look as long. <laughs> You don't know. It, mm, that's she's, the trick. she's trying to look pretty for Dooku, for her bae. So, all right. So um, Dooku is looking for an apprentice um, or some strong presence that he can put into leading certain areas of the war, leading certain groups and battalions and such. Um, Dooku did this quite a lot in Legends, most famously with Ventress, Sora Bulk, Toll Score, and Dirge, who is another Dirge. one who pops up in this uh, series of episodes. And so, um, much like Dirge does later, mm-hmm. he serves as this kind of enforcing commander. Um, because the armies are m- primarily made up of droids, um, this was a way for writers and storytellers uh, of this show and comics uh, around the same time to give commanders with personality, give commanders with real threat to them. Uh, and so that's where Vin- the need for Ventress came in. Um, the later series, the 2008 series, would do better with this by creating tactical droids to be the sort of leader and commander. But here we have uh, physical care. We have uh, uh, actual people mm-hmm. uh, or alien people in this uh, in this role. So aliens are people. So uh, Ventress, Ventress. The, gi- the giraffe lady. Okay. So her history, um, a couple of things stay. I'll say that. So the, again, this fits in my head canon. That means it's not canon. It is legends. I have to preface that over um, just just now to get it out of the way. This what we're talking about largely, and the show itself is considered legends. Um, so if you're listening to some of this and you're like, uh, "That's not what happened," that's because this isn't supposed to tie into the actual. Uh, 2008 series 
I just like the idea of it tying into. And again, you'll see some things are similar. Mm -hmm. So Ventress of Legends, Ventress, as we meet her in this story, um, she was originally born to the Night Sisters, and uh, her mother was forced to give her up um, and to a criminal named Halstead uh, to protect the clan. He brought her to Ratatak, um, the Pokemon, yes. uh, where she could be raised. And um, so she was raised primarily by the Ventresses, which were a powerful native Ratatak uh, warlord family. Um, and so she grew up there and started discovering herself and her powers. Um, and eventually a Mandalorian by the name of Melch Krako heard about her and her power um, and decided to test it. And by doing so, he killed um, the uh, the criminal who uh, had brought her to Rat Attack, Halstead, and killed her adoptive family. Um, and so this would start her on this big journey of revenge. She herself almost died during this, but was saved by a Jedi Knight by the name of Kai Narek. He was stranded there when a ship crashed and I guess was just hanging out. He felt Ventress's presence through the force and decided to come help her, fended off the um, raiders and took her in and decided to train her. And so um, the duo became like local towns heroes, protecting uh, the people and protecting um, the village from invaders and raiders and all sorts of things, uh, rival armies and such. Uh, but eventually Ventress would become more powerful than her own good, and that word would spread. And eventually, um, under Osika Kriski, uh, the, uh, uh, a group banded together to kill Ventress and her master. Mm -hmm. They succeeded in killing her master, um, but for whatever reason, uh, without rereading the comics, I don't know exactly, but she either escaped or uh, was left. Uh, which was a big mistake because she would swear revenge on them. And so uh, the tattoos that she um, has in a lot of her popular appearances um, actually represent 12 uh, of the raiders that um, she hunted and killed as she vowed uh, to do in revenge. Um, and so that's Ventress up, huh. up to the point that we meet her in the show. That's her history. That's where she comes from. If I could get, like, a stripe for every taco I've eaten, I'd be covered in stripes. Oh, you're, you're referencing her tattoo? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you were just, <laughs> you zoned out and just came back with a, a, a taco look, point. I'd look like a tiger. <laughs> so many. Um, same, though. Uh, so, that and, and actually, that's where she gets the two sabers that she uses in the show. In the show, you'll... If you've seen it, she uses a green and a blue lightsaber. One was hers, one was her master's. Oh, so Duke is a real big meanie for... Yeah, those were sentimental. Yeah, we're getting there. So now where we meet her in the episode. So again, Duku's looking for enforcers for the separatists. Duku's out to put people in menacing leadership roles um, and for the purpose of leading a non-sentient army. Um, and, and really it's more from a storytelling point of, you know, it's not very threatening if you've got a droid general that you're, that's the threat, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's just another droid. Um, having characters like Ventress and Dirge and Sora Bulk, uh, from Legends who would go on to be the, the real enemies, it, it created much more 
uh, strife and much more uh, cost at hand when you when these guys were in the story. Mm-hmm. So Dooku's looking for someone like that, and in order to do so, he comes to Rat Attack, uh, and he's met by some dude that you made notes of. He has the dumbest face I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. He just looked like. Hmm. How would you feel meeting Count Dooku? Exactly. You wouldn't have the best face either. Oh my gosh, it's Dracula. <laughs> um, so he's met and ushered in by Weird Face. And by the way, his, his, everywhere I go to look, he's just labeled as henchman. He's not given a name or anything like that. Man with stupid face and dress. Yes. Um, so, uh, well, man, and stupid fa- man with stupid face and dress doesn't last very long. Because yeah. as soon as he sits down with Dooku, uh, we see a shadowy figure come... In. Or actually, we don't. We just know that the guy was there, and then he wasn't, and now there's a, some new dude Ventress, in the space. Ventress disguised herself as the dumb man. She just, like, took tape and squished her face as much as she could. <laughs> and, like, the well, really, she was just wearing her, you know, black, sithy yeah. uh, cloak. Um, like, legit. I'm going to post a picture of this guy's face Spencer's. on, on uh, Twitter. <laughs> He's got a dirt face. Um, so this is all taking place at, um, I have the name here somewhere. Uh, oh, it, at the cauldron. Um, so this is kind of like a gladiatorial arena. Um, so the idea being that Dooku's here to see who wins, uh, to see if they're worthy. And so this shadowy figure, uh, puts themselves into the challenge. And yep. so Ventress uh, gets in there, kills everybody. Basically. But the people that she kills, um, some pretty interesting folks, okay? So some of the guys... So first we have Blorga. Who needs a dentist. <laughs> uh, he was he was the Gamorrean um, that was in there. Uh, apparently Java doesn't pay well enough, so he was there. He did not look... No, wait. Oh, I was thinking of someone else. Yeah. No, uh, Grunda Dolma. Uh, he was the Aqualish uh, with the staff. I knew that one. I knew what that one was called. Uh, Nilo. Didn't have a lot to say about that guy. Uh, L8L9, he was the flame droid. Gotcha. Um, Flalios was the dragon glad- gladiator. He was an original creature for this sequence. Jasper McKnives. <laughs> that was my bad name in college. Uh, was the red Nikto. Uh, Crutch was the spider gladiator. Anchor Blue. Uh, he was the uh, very ugly hook-handed guy um, who, I guess they called him Anchor because of, I guess it was more of an anchor, not a hook. Um, uh, s- swimmy? <laughs> swimmy, I believe is how you pronounce that, because he was the alligator swimmy. dude. Um, and finally was Giant Flog was the big guy at the end, the that, one that needed that, the dentist. That was my nickname in college. <laughs> um, so if you watch the sequence, now you know who Ventress is killing uh, quite theatrically. Um, Boy, so howdy. Just There's goes to show, everybody in Star Wars has a name. Everybody has something. Yeah. And I except will, oh, except the henchmen. Yeah, I will say that, like, at the end of that sequence, there is a very Samurai Jack sequence. Oh, yeah. Like, the super... whole run at each other and then whoosh! <laughs> And, and then the guy falls down, yeah. and Ventress does not have a katana to sheath, so she just sort of stands there. Yep. But then Dooku's so impressed that he pulls a magneto and just kind of floats himself down. Uh, Dooku, yeah. floaty boy. 
There's a lot of flying in these episodes. They, they like to, they did like to use the fort. Like, I, I, I feel like Gendy felt like what a lot of fans think of, like when we, we see a lot of uh, lightsaber fights, we don't tend to see them using the force very much or to an ex, uh, a far extent. Yeah. And, but in the Clone Wars series, you can definitely say that they use the force to, you know, influence their fighting. Yeah. Um, which leads to pretty cool stuff. Uh, Dooku and Vengers have an exchange where she eventually uh, jumps the gun and decides to say, I'm a Sith. Cause you know, she doesn't know who she's talking to. Yeah. And Dooku of course laughs. Um, and she doesn't like that very much. And he doesn't like that very much. Yeah. So he uh, strikes her with lightning. And, and, and this is this interesting moment where again, Dooku is Dooku. He's uh He's a very unassuming Sith, and that's part of why Palpatine picked him, is because mm-hmm. he was much more political and um, conspiring than he was, you know, very uh, challenging with a lightsaber and whatnot. And that was actually all part of the plan. I'm going to call you out for making a pun in your notes. Where? Dooku decides to enlighten her with the blast of Force Lightning. Nerd. Again, unintended. <laughs> I don't believe that for one minute. Um, Call him out. Call him out, Twitter. So, uh, yes, yeah, so he shocks her, and then he, she wakes up later in his Dooku crib. His, uh, his Dooku so, crib. I'm counting Dooku, welcome to my crib. <laughs> Unless I, you're as old as us, you're not going to get that right. Uh, we don't know where it's at. I don't know where it's at, but it's very nice. He's got West some Hollywood. flowy curtains and such, so... You know, leave it to Dooku to be very artsy in his decorating skills. I'd watch that 50 sitcom, leave it to Dooku. Right. Here's my <laughs> curtains. Here's my giant statue. Um, that's pretty much it. That's all that's there. There are my pillars that I like to throw at people. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he challenges Ventress again. This time, you know, not hiding who he, was, who he is. He, he pulls out his lightsaber and attacks her. Um, eventually, you know, as you mentioned destroys her lightsabers who were that were very sentimental as we come to find out um but he's very quick to replace them after she's proven herself and palpatine agrees you know she's the one for the job then he gives her new lightsabers which fun fact come from his recently deceased uh former padawan that's called recycling yes uh kamari vos well the uh, so they were from his previous apprentice who had turned to the dark side, become a threat to Palpatine's plans and, and whatnot. And so two birds, one stone, they decide to get rid of her by hiring bounty hunters and say, whichever one can kill her is the clone template. But to prove it, they have to bring her lightsabers because you couldn't just do that. Yeah. They'd have to kill her and they couldn't fake it. Could you imagine if Bosk was the clone template? <laughs> Be a very different clone war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yet again, Fun fact, D. Bradley Baker played Bosk and the clone, so he'd still get all the work. Exactly. <laughs> um, D. Bradley Baker, give somebody else a job. So, But the bounty hunter that did kill Kamari Vosa was Jango Fett. No. So again, two birds, one stone. We need her dead. We need a clone template. Yeah. Whoever can do it is the one. Palpatine does that a lot. He's like... Yeah, this it, is my new apprentice. You must kill my old apprentice or someone who I know. Well, he no, well he didn't. He didn't do it as much as you would think. Well, he did it with like Darth Vader and Star Killer. 
No, he he ordered Vader to kill Star Killer. That's what I meant. Instantly. Yeah, that's what I meant. I thought you were saying like he he tries to get a new one all the time. No. To replace Gilly. No. The only one he's ever really ultimately tried to replace is Vader. And that's because he lost hope in Vader. Vader was meant to be his real apprentice. Um, he act, he had a lot of hope in Darth Maul, but he ultimately didn't see him being the one to take over the Empire with him. And Dooku was just a pawn for him to be able to create the Empire. So neither of them were in, really apprentices. Because he, he wasn't buying into them being... like Anakin was the one he was pouring everything into to be the one that mm-hmm. he rules with. And then when Anakin failed and became... Well, didn't become Vader, but when he became the m- more machine Vader that we know, then he started to have his doubts about Anakin. That's why he was so quick to want to take on Luke. Are you saying that he didn't think he could do it? That's exactly what I'm saying. Do it. Um, so... Uh, but he did think that Ventress could do it. And so uh, he sends uh, her off with the mission of killing Anakin Skywalker. And so that's chapter uh, six and seven. Um, and so some fun behind the scenes stuff of that is the design The design for Asajj Ventress comes from early Attack of the Clones brainstorming for um, Palpatine's apprentice uh, that would later become Dooku. Uh, he wanted, uh, this is, um, I believe Lucas, he wanted, uh, her earlier designs to look almost if she, if she was a samurai. <laughs> um, and so that, and you can see that. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, yet again of, you know, a great use of previously unused things, but really, um, the concept of her character was fully fleshed out for this series. Mm-hmm. So had this series not happened, we may not have gotten Ventress in Clone Wars, which she gets much, I won't say she gets better, she gets great treatment in that series. She's she's treated very well in this series. She's treated as a real incredible threat in this. They really build her up to be a threat, and she's rightfully so. Um, and... Uh, in the next series, though, she's a threat, but they also give her uh, a depth of understanding and character that makes her someone you root for. N- not root for her to get defeated, almost, but root for her to get what she deserves. Yes. Um, I'd say she's head and shoulders over the other princesses. <laughs> she's got a long neck. We get it. All right. She's probably self-conscious. She should be. So, uh, but what do you think about Ventress? What, do you, what did you... You know, just since this is so Ventress-centric, other than her neck, what did you think about her? I like Ventress. I think her design is really cool. Um, I think Gendy really stuck out his neck. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> it just struck me as funny to see her design. But it's a very stylized show. Like, mm-hmm. I can admit that more than anything. Um you don't really need to crane your neck to see that. Oh my god. Alright, moving on. <laughs> no, I'm can't. not done. I'm not done. I think Ventress is really cool. Like, she's probably one of the first female Sith that we've seen in Star Wars media that's not comics or books or something. Yeah, like in, in more commonly consumed media. Yeah, there you go. That's what I meant. Popular um, media. Something like that. And, yeah, I think... She, like I said already, she's she's treated and built up as such a threat 
yeah. to Anakin, and 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 it's done very well. She really goes for the jugular. <sighs> so, after chapter six and seven, we move then to chapter one through four, and so this is where we get that buildup of the Munalist arc. We see Yoda and Obi Wan and Anakin and Palpatine discussing uh, the effort, and you know. Obi-Wan throws himself up there, volunteers to lead the charge, and then Palpatine's like, oh, and take Anakin. Yeah. Do you think Obi-Wan, when he walked into the bank, was like, that's no mune? It's just full of puns tonight. Uh, I should be punished. Um, <laughs> I, I'll say that the ex- when um, when Palpatine just kind of puts Anakin in there and just takes no input from Obi-Wan and Yoda, we get the best, like, what did you just say from Yoda? <laughs> like, the, the, the face says it all. Because, again, yes. the dialogue's not much, but, like, Gendy's very good at giving the expressions that they, uh, that's even better than the dialogue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so Yoda gives a very, man, I don't like you, <laughs> kind of glare, which yeah. is funny. Um. And so uh, the Republic forces take off, head to Munalist, um, and then Obi-Wan briefs the ARC troopers who are led by ARC-77 Captain Fordo. And so ARC troopers, uh, advanced recon commandos, these dudes oh. are the best of the best, the baddest of the bad uh, when it comes to clone troopers. Um, these in Legends, uh, these clones were some of the earliest and uh, some of the only to get direct training from Jango Fett himself. And not only that, but they were less programmed to be uh, just do-it soldiers and more programmed to be lethal and thoughtful, much more like Jango would have... Like, they don't just attack because they're told to, and they just don't run in with their guns blazing. Mm -hmm. They think like a Mandalorian. They think like a bounty hunter. They think like Jango Fett. I guess you could say the other troopers were Fett with a long-handed spoon. You could say that, or you could not. <laughs> you could just, just not. When have I ever made that decision, John? Never. You've been married to me for so long. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway. So, uh, Obi-Wan kind of briefs them, you know, and tells them what they are. You know, you know you're the best. You're the ones for this mission kind of stuff. Uh, and so then the Acclimator class, uh, which... Good on Gindy for showing the appropriate ships because the Venator class ships did not come in this early. Uh, it was the Acclimator ships that were first featured, and that's what he features heavily in season one. Are they the one the the one that looked like the Earth? No, those are the Geonosian ships. Oh. Um, those are starfighters. the The Acclimator is a much smaller star destroyer with a single bridge. Uh, Venators are the much larger ones with two bridges uh, at the end. Uh, and so uh, in the beginning, they had the smaller ones where the much more featured. The Venators weren't yet rolled out. So that was my point. It, it was keeping with the timeline a little bit. Gotcha. So, and just the Acclimators are nice too. I like most uh, space pizzas. Um, <laughs> so most Star Destroyers. I too like pizza. So uh, the Acclimators come in, start flooding the planet with tons of uh, lap drop ships, and uh, just more than necessary, really. Yeah. Uh, Let me say, there's a really cool piece of animation. Um, 
while they're making their way through the te- the decimated city, um, where one of the ARC troopers releases a drone, and it, like, for a few seconds goes to this really cool 3D animation effect while the drone is scanning. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just neat. Yeah. There's a lot of cool animation in this. And so, yeah, so uh, the ARC troopers, they they break off from the main attack. So Obi-Wan's basically leading all the other troops in a main attack right up the middle. And he sends the ARC troopers around through the city um, to find the heavy artillery cannon that's set up at the center that's keeping the Republic troops from really taking the town. And so... um, Mm -hmm the art troopers get this really cool sort of covert kind of through the city mission. And like you said, they have this, that, that scene where you see this kind of drone thrown up to kind of get this 3d map of the city, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool and just really nice star Wars. Tech. Oh, yeah. um, and I will say there was another really great animation um, design choice that was made during the scene uh, where instead, since the city is in such like bland colors, mm-hmm. like a lot of beiges, a lot of tans, a lot of eh colors, mm-hmm. a lot of whites, um, they made the decision to instead of using white smoke or gray smoke um, to show you know the city's burning, uh, they decided to use red smoke mm-hmm. and red steam, which I think is such a stark contrast between you know, the very neutral colors of the city. And I think it was a fantastic choice. That's, like, something that they did in um, The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. On Crate, they decided to use uh, the red dust. And it just, it was visually stunning. to that. It was gorgeous. I love beautiful visuals. Yeah. I mean, it really, for me, it reminded me of um, old uh, Gundam shows that use pink explosions um, in a lot of their animation. And so it's just, it's it for me, it's much more that it's just different, um, less for the palette of it, but just mm-hmm. that it's interesting. Which the palette of Clone Wars is already gorgeous. Nice. Um, well, and that's something that Gindy does well is to use you know, flat, bland colors in the back that draw you to the yeah. characters and the action. Mm-hmm. So, um, and speaking of action and explosions, a <laughs> lot of that happens when Dirge shows up. So Dirge, Dirge. is uh, already on the payroll enforcer for um, the Separatists. And uh, we know that Dooku sent him along, I guess, to make sure that the banking clan doesn't mess it up because they're just a bunch of immunes and they're not exactly the most trusting or strong-willed uh, guys. So I almost wonder if things had failed if Dirge's mission was to kill him because... Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, that gets into hypotheticals, but... Are you saying that they might cause a mutiny? <laughs> We're going to get through this. Um, so, but Dirge, all right? I love Dirge. Dirge. I, he is just an awesome, scary dude. Just a total... Uh, tank, and so much like Ventress, I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. So Dirge was a male Gendai bounty hunter uh, who was active in the galaxy for almost two thousand years. Wow! He's able to survive uh, several near death situations throughout those years due to his Gendai heritage um, and through his en- enhanced battle armor. He fought in several wars and collected a multitude of bounties and trophies. And over the years, Dirge acquired a deep distaste of Mandalorians. 
And the reason that Dooku pull, is able to pull him into serving for the Separatists is the idea that, hey, those clones, they're all clones of Jango Fett. Jango Fett was a Mandalorian. The only reason Dirge joins is the <laughs> idea of getting to kill Mandalorians. And they're not wow. even real Mandalorians. They're Mandalorians by osmosis. Wow. Uh, and so just a total, like, psychopathic tank. Uh, he Xenophobic. Gets- for yeah. Pete's sake. He gets he gets much more scary treatment in the comics. Um, he nearly wiped out the entire Gungan race uh, during one battle. Like I mean, that that's his thing. He like he go he's the one that goes too far sometimes. Would that be a negative? <laughs> <laughs> uh, n- well, considering some of the Gungans are actually decent people, probably. So, or decent fish people. Decent aliens? Decent. They're decent. They're not technically aliens because they're on their home planet. If you think they about it. They get technical. If you think about it. Hey, what's up, you guys? <laughs> Go ahead. Are you done? Yes. For now? No. Okay. So, um, so Dirge joins in for the idea of being able to kill Jango Fett's semi-offspring uh, clone copies of and such. Um, and so he's recruited into the CIS um, <clears throat> as an enforcer commander general kind of role, uh, given the, well, given the rank of commander, that's in my notes. Uh, and he performed in several key missions alongside Dooku himself and uh, notably along with Ventress on several occasions. Um, eventually, though, he was killed by being sent into the sun by Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. You know, you got a guy you can't kill, just send him to the sun. Exactly. So, um, but in the meantime, he was, uh, he was very, uh, scary. He was a scary dude. If you throw Dirge in the Sarlacc pit, would he take longer to digest? Well, he's 2,000 years old. Let's do some math. He's, well, he's 2,000 years old. It would take a thousand years in the pit of the Sarlacc to be digested. Are you alive in the pit of the Sarlacc? Yes. Well, I mean, to an extent. I mean, they insinuate that you're alive for the entire experience of digestion. So, this is why we're going to have an episode about creatures, because this stuff gets interesting. Yeah. But anyways, but save it for that. We're going to explore. Explore the Sarlacc. So, so behind the scenes on Dirge. Um, again, if you can't tell, I like I like Dirge. Um, Dirge. And, uh, so, but behind the scenes... He was created again specifically for this, much like Ventress was. Lucasfilm actually uh, wanted they they created him to create a new uh, bounty hunter villain to challenge the Jedi. Uh, in the series, um, Dirge's armor armorless appearance is heavily influenced by the 1988 animated film Akira, and his reminiscence yes. of his climax, which you pointed out, which was which was funny. Yeah, I we were watching that episode and i was just like this is like the last minute the last 10 minutes of akira yep. all over i love that movie yep so uh originally in chapter 20 of uh season 1 the finale uh, it was supposed to feature dirge uh but uh it was changed to feature uh grievous uh by george lucas's input uh to more market him for his upcoming appearance in revenge of the fall uh revenge of the fallen oh my goodness revenge of the sith <laughs> Um, mixing my franchises. Uh, the Clone Wars television series uh, director Dave Filoni actually wanted uh, to reimagine Dirge as a human character for the 2008 series, but he was later replaced by the much more popular uh, Duros character that would become Cad Bane. 
Ah, Cad Bane. Who is also another just awesome bounty hunter dude. Yes. He just looks cool. Yeah. He's just, he's space Clint Eastwood. Let's just be honest. Um, So Dirge rolls in um, and literally, well, not literally rolls in, but he comes in with his speeder bike squadron. <laughs> he does somersaults into the scene. <laughs> uh, and so what's really cool is he's got this army of IG Lancer droids on, yes! on uh, bikes with lances. And they literally take out all of the Republic's tanks with lances. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, we can resist all kinds of small arms fire. Can it resist lances? Nope. It's called a lance. Who's going to use? Who, who's going to use a lance in the Star Wars universe? No, no one. So of course they couldn't prepare <laughs> for this option. Like we didn't have a a lance option when creating these things. Um, and so they come in, they wipe out the um, the Republic tanks, and uh, not to be outdone, Obi Wan then gets his clones together, gets on their speeder bikes, and gets their lances. Ow. Because they just packed those for this. They were like, you never know when you're going to need a lance. Exactly. Um, And so uh, Obi-Wan reenacts some Knight's Tale action. And uh, they, Dirge and Obi-Wan joust. And eventually uh, the scuffle um, gets physical. And uh, Obi-Wan stabs Dirge. And what becomes a really, really cool sequence, Dirge keeps going. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, with the lightsaber still in his chest, he keeps fighting. Yeah. That was so cool. And so Dirge pulls out all these different kinds of cool weapons to try and take down the Jedi, which really builds him up that he's experienced Jedi before, most likely. Um, but he comes prepared for really any situation. He's got all the different kinds of weapons that you can need, but it... He's a tank. Yeah. He's a Swiss Army knife tank. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it's not enough. And so Obi-Wan decapitates uh, one of his arms and cuts him in half, as he loves to do. He is good at that. It's, he's kind of like Optimus Prime from the Michael Bay movies. It's like, it's, you know, yeah. Obi, uh, Obi-Wan likes to cut people in half and Optimus Prime likes to uh, tear people's faces off. Yeah. Um, if he worked in like a butcher shop, he'd be really good at like dismembering animals. Yeah, he's just he's just good. Right down the middle. <laughs> You are my brother. It's like, but I want to let, no, right down the middle. I can, I can only cut right down the middle, guys. We only serve Cornish game hen in this house. Right, can you just take a trim? I can cut it down the middle. <laughs> You'd be a terrible. You'd be uh, fired. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be terrible hairstylist. Uh, yes. You could not just cut it in a half. job at Ulta. Or just, just shave half of it right down the middle. Um, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> so, uh, and so it seems like it's done, but. Of course, Dirge didn't live that long to be taken down by a little bit of a lightsaber action. Some light dismemberment. Yeah. Uh, Tis just a flesh wound. Uh, (laughs) And so uh, he kind of creeps away until we get to see him next. Um, But Dirge was just this very menacing kind of new, different character. And you want to talk about long necks, okay? He had a long neck. Well... His neck was the length of a person, practically. <laughs> he did a lot of raps. Uh, come to find out. So, come to find out, though, I thought that, like, was just, like, the part, the neck armor of his. But he's got this kind of, like, samurai kind of chain mail that goes around. Um, like, if you look at images, that's that's what his neck 
looks like in is this kind of chainmail stuff. Yeah. So it's not his actual neck. It's it was actually just a design of the helmet. Wouldn't it be funny if his head was like in his chest or something? It's not. I know. Yeah, we actually see him uh, unmasked in the comic where Anakin kills him. Uh, we finally get to see his face. Not pretty. pretty. <laughs> Not pretty. <clears throat> um, Need to Google. And so, uh, but yeah, the, so Dirge's introduction. I remember being a kid and I was just like losing my mind over this character. <laughs> love Dirge. I love most bounty hunters and bad guys, but Dirge was just really a really good one. Uh. I see what you mean. Not pretty at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's much like Jason Voorhees in his later years. Um, he looks like where the wild things aren't. So then we get into chapters 10 and 11, which feature Anakin a little bit more, show off a little bit more of the space battle that's going on. And we get a lot of that action. And like, like you said, he's he's a pilot and apparently the great a great pilot according to Obi-Wan, and here we get to see some of that. We get to see some of his um, ace piloting skills, which I appreciate, because I felt like he was very built up as this great pilot and just not featured enough. And so this this did good to kind of give a little bit of that. But where it gets interesting is eventually this uh, strange ship shows up that we find out is Ventress uh, showing up, and she starts luring... Anakin around and chasing him, uh, or he, she, he's chasing her mm-hmm. around to try and he just has to kill this, uh, this other pilot. And she knows that she, she can get him to fo- follow her if he just, she just keeps baiting him and baiting him. And eventually they jump to hyperspace. Obi-Wan gets ticked off and sends clones after him. And, um, that leads us to probably some of the best parts of at least these episodes that we're going to talk about where we finally get uh, the big confrontation between Ventress and Anakin. So Ventress leads Anakin to a planet uh, that we all know and know very well, Yavin 4, um, before it was made popular in A New Hope. Um, <laughs> and uh, the clones are quick to follow and what we get with the clones is, you know, they're all kind of searching the forest for Ventress and then they just start disappearing one by one and they start kind of getting thrown around, tossed around. And we find out that clones would make a great boomerang uh, as one just uh, copters through the air. Yeah, that is a fantastic sequence of animation. Like, yeah, that should have won all the awards. <laughs> um, and, but this this suspense building in this this kind of, uh, you know mysterious uh force enemy it, it, it really uh, again goes to build up Ventress as a big threat she's scary in this she's she's a threat to Anakin in this she's not just the Saturday morning villain she's she's a real credible threat yeah. and even in the fight between the two the duel we see that they're very evenly matched they're very closely um you know at each other throughout the whole thing and the sequence follows them through the the uh, large trees all the way up to the temple where we get an obligatory in the rain lightsaber sequence. Of course. And such. But altogether, beautiful choreography. It's just really drawing it out. And one can never seem to get the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, reaches climax when the two uh, are at the uh, main temple and uh, eventually make their way to the top. 
Ventress disarms Anakin and seems to kind of have the upper hand there. But then Anakin, uh, as you can tell by the red hue that starts to light his face, uh, which, by the way, the sequence where they're in the temple and it's dark and they're both lit by the respective lightsaber colors is really cool. Yes, that is gorgeous. It's a much better version of what they did uh, in Attack of the Clones between uh, Anakin and Dooku. Yeah. Um, because in, in also... the film, they're very clearly just waving their lightsabers above yeah. themselves. Which was also beautifully done in um, Force Awakens. Yes. During the woods fight. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and J.J. Abrams in that just used lighting very... Like, when yes. the when the sun went down and the, the um, light on... Uh, Han and uh, Kylo was just more heavily uh, featured. Like, great stuff. Good stuff, JJ. Beautiful things. Um, Good job, AJ. JJ. <laughs> uh, but in this, we Mr. get Abrams. we get more of that great light work, and it really followed. And it and it's interesting because it goes from featuring Anakin with his blue lightsaber to this ending where he starts to get featured by the red sun and by the red lightsaber. Yeah. And we see that that follows with him starting to tap into his anger. He's fed up, he's angry and he shows it. And, uh, eventually, um, just kind of overpowering Ventress. Um, and it's cut intermittently with these sequences of seeing Obi-Wan's silhouette and Qui-Gon's silhouette and Yoda's silhouette as he, with every strike that he makes. And eventually the ground breaks beneath Ventress and she falls into the chasm and he mm -hmm. lets out this very angry boy yell and it's finally <laughs> over. And yeah. it's just this great emotional sequence. Mm -hmm. Uh, this, this great choreography. It's just a beautiful way to see it all kind of build up. And then finally, yeah. uh, it, it felt good. It wasn't like, again, it wasn't like the Saturday morning bad guy stuff. It wasn't like, Oh, well, I'll get you next time. Yeah. And and that's that's what eventually Ventress became to me in the Clone Wars in the 2008 series. And so her here is such so much more. And I think that's because they were like, well, she's only going to get one outing. Let's give it. To, you know, they didn't expect her to really become. She went to be so heavily featured in the comics. And then again, you know, the, the 2008 series. I don't think they knew yeah. she was going to be there was going to be such a payoff for the work that they did with her in the, the Clone Wars micro series. Yeah. So, but all right. So that's, uh, the, these episodes, that's the, these 13 episodes. This is the, the, the main story I get. So, and this is why I wanted to feature this in its own sort of capsule. You know, we get Ventress recruited, we get, the Battle of Munalist, and then we get Ventress and Anakin, and so this is all one told story. Like, next week we're going to have a lot of individual stories to talk about, and this is one big feature story. Yeah. Um, what'd, you, what'd you think? It was interesting. It was very interesting. Um, which is usually what people say when it's not interesting, but it was. It was actually interesting. Like, the art style made me want to keep watching mm -hmm. if that makes sense like yeah. i love everything that gendy tartakovsky has done so far mm -hmm. and you know he does a great job of keeping you engaged yeah when i think the great thing about this is like even if you're not a big fan of the story you can have fun watching the choreography or you know like for you watching the animation or 
I mean, the music too is again because they don't use a lot of dialogue. They use a lot of the music to accentuate things and and okay. show the action. And so, and the music is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it's used just right to to show off the action. Um, like, because there's one sequence I always think of when the clones are uh, when the arc troopers are attacking the heavy artillery gun, mm-hmm. and uh, every time Fordo shoots a, a droid. In part of the sequence, we get a symbol crash, and it's very much a, you know, because it, it it's a really height, heightening the action of it and yeah. whatnot. It really gives it another layer, um, and so it's it's really there's a lot of it that's just very well done. Yeah, absolutely, and it's kind of hard to believe that there are a lot of people out there who haven't watched it. Yeah, and and that's my thing is like I I. I want this to hopefully encourage people to watch it yes. and to kind of see something because it can work with the other series if you want it to, or it, you know, if you're not a big canon person and you just want to watch it because it's fun to watch, then I really do recommend checking this out. And hopefully you've watched it before coming in here. So you weren't spoiled on everything, but yeah, if anything, I think you can still go and watch it after hearing us talk about it and still see it as a great show i I think even with knowing what happens now you just get to sit back and enjoy what is happening yeah um if anything and hopefully you know and go ahead next week we're going to be talking about season two so um you know you can go ahead and sit down and in one run do all 25 episodes yeah it's Uh, only about two hours yeah so um but that's what we'll be kind of getting into next week is season two We'll talk about the episodes of season one that we didn't get to that were independent. Some will feature Mace Windu. Some will feature uh, Yoda. Some will feature Kit Fisto. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get to the season finale, which is amazing. And we'll get to the season two episodes, which are half amazing. <laughs> so there's that. Lots of amazing and then some okay stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, overall... Um, I I still, to this day, love this year. I went on Twitter after we watched this and, you know, said that. I was like, you know, all these years later, and this is still as awesome as I remember. Yeah, Uh, which doesn't happen very often. Yeah, well, not 15 years later. No. Like, I mean, yeah. 15 years. Yeah. You're old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and again, so for me, like, so headcanon up until this point, Ventress still works. Like for yeah. me, this isn't where Ventress ends. This is the history of Ventress that we see that in, in the clone, the other Clone Wars series, the main series. Um, because that was something that always killed me. Was it was just like she was just introduced, like you know, Ta-da. there she is. She's an established character already. And it just was like I, I wrote my own backing for that. And for me, in my head, that's this. Yeah, you know, Dooku recruiting her. Uh, from the culture and Dooku bringing her in, raising her up to be a challenge and thorn in Anakin Skywalker's side. Like, you know, that's very much there. And the thing is, as we get to know her character in the next series, we see some of that stuff still follows. If anything, it's just expounded upon and better developed. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Ventress, for me, this is very much in my head canon. Um, because I just I love the way she was treated and introduced in this, 
And um, for me, I just need that uh, sort of building, that world building. Yeah, and I think it's also an interesting kind of parallel between her and Anakin. Like, they're both pretty arrogant and they're both into their own hype. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very much so. They are the hype. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's kind of showing what happens when... Two very strong-willed, very arrogant people, kind of butt heads. Yeah, well, and as you know, as we see her story in the next series, she echoes what Vader would eventually learn as well. In the sense of, you know, when you when you deal with a Sith, expect to get double-crossed. You know, uh, and so she's kind of like yeah. like you said, there's kind of echo and this foreshadowing of of Anakin, um, it, and it just goes to show that Anakin was just another part of this great Sith cycle and such. He was very much a victim within this. Yeah. But in reality, she was only an assistant. I thought you had forgot about that. Absolutely not. When we, uh, yeah, when we were watching, when we first started, uh, she was like, oh, so Dooku's got an apprentice now, but isn't he an apprentice? And I was like, well, Dooku is Palpatine's apprentice and Ventress is just kind of like an acolyte. She's kind of, she's not a real Sith. She's just a dark side user. She's an assistant. And she made that pun and said she was putting it in her notes. And I'd hoped she forgot, but she didn't. I never forget, John. That's a lie. I forget some things. Your keys, your phone. I know exactly where they are. Your wallet. I could go on. But I won't. Because we've kept you for quite a while already. Yeah, sorry Um, about that. But hopefully you've enjoyed the ride. And uh, hopefully it's been fun. Um, And definitely looking forward to kind of closing out this series next week. And then, because that means we'll get into the greater Clone Wars, the 2008 series, which I'm really excited about. That's the main thing of this show. Uh, But I definitely wanted to take time to kind of set up the history of the Clone Wars before the Clone Wars. Yeah. So, uh, but until next time, you can always follow us and interact with us on social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, all that sorts. Um, And uh, can you think of anything else? Donate to us on Patreon. Send our cat to college. (laughs) Yeah, it. I mean, if you uh, you can follow us on Patreon, where we'll be kind of doing weekly updates and blogs and extra content uh, down the road. And if you have the means and are just feeling generous, then you can support us there and just support the show and the content. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you we can still always love you. yeah, you can always expect more uh, nerd herder content, uh, regardless. Yeah. And like John said, you know, we're a herd, we're a family, so interact with us, talk to us. Just don't come over for Sunday dinner. Call me mom. It's okay. Uh, so, but yeah. So, uh, let us know what you think. What do you think of the Clone Wars series? Um, I know uh, Rebecca from Twitter uh, was kind of having an exchange with her. She was kind of... Hashtag Rebecca from Twitter. Love her. <laughs> well, she she gives us a lot of good attention, which is Hi, nice. Rebecca. Um, and I know she was excited to kind of watch this series for the first time. And so I, I yeah, definitely look forward to hearing if this is your first time watching it. Uh, Rebecca, Michael Johnson out there. I know I talked to you about it. Skylar. Um, 
let us know what you think. Uh, really want to know if this was your first time checking it out. What do you think? Mm-hmm. If you've seen it again, do you still love it? Um, you know, just uh, love to hear from you on that. And yeah. so talk to us. We love you. Yeah. But in the in the meantime, until the next show, uh, this has been your herd leader, John Wayne. And this has been Megan. And until next time, may the force be with you. <laughs>